Welcome to episode number 78 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. Helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your expertise, around your background, around the change you want to make in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about helping academics get published in high-impact journals. Specifically, we're talking with Dr. Anna Clemens from AnnaClemens.com. That's A-N-N-A. C-L-E-M-E-N-S dot com about her business there. Dr. Clemens, thank you for coming on the Grab Blogger podcast today. Hi, thank you for letting me be here. We're really excited to have Anna come on. She's she's doing this interview from her um, residence in Prague today, which she says is very hot there. So we appreciate her taking some time from out of the weather and um, come on the podcast. <laughs> thank you. So Anna has a PhD in chemistry. In the last couple episodes of the podcast, you'll know we've been featuring different people with academic backgrounds, different people in businesses serving academics. Um, In the previous podcast of this, we talked with Courtney Danielle, who's helping freelance writers outside of academia do freelance online writing and build businesses there. Dr. Clemens works with academics that are still in academia on publishing and writing of high-impact journals um, through her her services or coaching and her workshops there. So that's what we're going to be covering today. So we're going to talk about what Anna does, some of her online business journey, how she got started and grew her business. What does her workshop model look like? How does she run the workshops? Why did she decide on that as part of her business model, including the the coaching and services there? Uh, We're going to talk about how others can start it in this type of business as well. So as always, the transcripts for this episode, we'll put them in a nice PDF document. You can download those at grabblogger.com slash 78. Uh, if you want to follow up and get more information on on what we talk about here. So Dr. Clemens, maybe a great place to jump in is just what what do you do at AnnaClemens.com and who do you help with your business there? Yes. So I help scientists to write better papers in less time. I mainly work with academics who are in sort of the natural sciences. So that is like physics, chemistry, biology, medicine, and sort of all the fields that are associated with that. And yeah, we're really, I'm really focusing on these, um, on helping academics to write better better papers so that papers that are easier to read and papers that sort of get cited more, that help them move forward in their career. And I'm trying to help academics to do all that while I'm spending less time. So I'm seeing that many academics spend a lot of time on writing and well, certainly sort of a, a part of your of your job as an academic that you should spend some time on because it's so, so important. But I see many academics struggle a little bit with having good processes, with being really efficient in that arena. So that's what I help people to do. I love it. And you're, you're, I don't know if this is your tagline, but you, you said it pretty succinctly, better papers in less time. Yes. <laughs> so better papers, um, easier to read, more citations, better quality. And in addition to that, reduce the amount of time it takes you to uh, be able to write that sort of material. Exactly, exactly. Can you dive into some of your academic background and sort of how you, you know, use that in your work today? 
Yes, so I have a PhD in chemistry, as you mentioned, and um, my PhD was really sort of in the interface between chemistry and physics, um, and officially it's called PhD in material science, but I was really working, I was actually working in both the chemistry and a physics department, really there in the interface was working with catalysis, surface science, things like that. Yeah, so that's, and I, I would add to that, I also was on the bridge of chemistry and physics. Mine was explosions. So the chemistry is the what reacts and the physics is the result. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, um, it's a fun world to be in, I think. I think it's a very intriguing sort of part. And I started out with chemistry. So my undergraduates were in chemistry. And then I sort of moved over a little bit more to physics. <laughs> Uh, and then kind of I moved back a little bit to chemistry. So yeah, it was really in between. And um, I got to see, so I have to say sort of in my academic journey, um, I got to see, which ended after my PhD. So it wasn't very long, but I got to see a lot of areas. So this is actually something that's helping me a lot now that I did do some work that was more towards sort of biology and then some like proper, proper chemistry sort of organic synthesis. And then I got to do more of these more physical science or yeah, physics projects and working with physicists and kind of kind of also seeing the different ways in which the different language, I guess, scientists in these different fields used because they used to be very distinct, right? And now it's everything is sort of merging a little bit more into each other. Yeah, that's right. And I, I assume you like writing. <laughs> is that a safe assumption? Yes. <laughs> How did how did that kind of come about through your your because I, I I don't I'm good at it if I but I'm incredibly slow I fail in the second part of your your tagline um, so I've learned that recording myself is much faster than than writing for me yes yeah, so for me I think I've always loved writing I remember back and sort of when I took to friends back from like primary school stuff like that they was like when I told them what I do now they're like oh yeah that. <laughs> That fits so well. For some reason, I always love both sort of science and writing. So I, and during my PhD, it was really sort of um, noticeable that when I was, so I did my PhD in Sweden. Um, and in Sweden, you do after two, two to three years. So the PhD is quite long. There's like, for me, it was like four and a half years, but it can also five or even longer um, and after like half of that you write a thesis which is called like a licentiate and when I was writing that I really had the best time <laughs> and I have to say my PhD wasn't all rosy so it was kind of a difficult journey for me mostly because of the people I was working with or mostly because of some supervisors I had and um, so it wasn't only it wasn't always easy and then getting to write and suddenly I had this like, wow, this is so much fun. And the same then was for my PhD thesis when things had gotten, things had improved um, during my time and I was able to do some changes there and stuff like that. And then when I was writing my PhD thesis, I was really like, I felt, I guess what I really loved about writing was that I felt so accomplished because science, and you probably know that when you do experiments and I was an experimentalist, so I would go to the lab and collect data and it's quite, um, sometimes you collect data for like months and then you end up not being able to use it or something was wrong or sometimes you spend two months till you are able to collect data because the machines don't work or because there are problems. So 
I always felt that it was not very rewarding to do the actual science. It was fun, but it wasn't very rewarding. And then when I could write, it was like, oh, cool. <laughs> now I spent the day writing part of my chapter. So now that is done. And I felt like finally it felt like I'm actually producing something and it's there. Like I can read the words, they're there, even though if I'm still going to edit them and do whatever with them, but I've produced something. And that I think was what felt so sort of satisfying. Now that's the way it started. That's when I thought, once I was finished with my PhD, I was like, okay, so what did I actually enjoy? <laughs> Most like when I was thinking what to do next, it was like, okay, yeah, the writing, that was really what I loved. No, I love it. And I, because I'm in an engineering field and because I was doing computer modeling, my experiments um, were really up to how much computing power I had, but they were relatively quick. But I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast. My my wife has a, a master's in developmental biology, and her experiments were painstakingly slow. <laughs> she had to raise chick embryos outside of their shells, and and it was a whole process. And nine out of ten times, something would go wrong, and you'd ruin your 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 batch of embryos. And yeah, I could I couldn't imagine that world where you have those such failure rates on your experiments that you never even get a chance to get to the writing phase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's really tough. I really admire people who, who do this work and who continue to do it after their PhD and to, I mean, I get why, why people are in science. I think like, I totally get it. I think being a scientist is a great job in many ways. It's also <laughs> it's a great job in many other ways, but um, I, I get why people get very sort of excited and motivated about it um, and why for some people it's their dream job. But wow, I have so much respect for people who can deal with such lengthy periods of sort of where you get no reward for what you're doing, where you're just putting work in, work in, work in, and you're not sure even, okay, is this going to work out? Is this not going to work out? Yeah, and as you say, it depends on the field you're in as well and the topic you're working on. But yeah, doing experiments, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the big part, I mean, and related to the topic of this episode is, so you've done all that work. How do you communicate it most effectively in the best way that is going to get distributed, that's going to get referenced and cited, um, that's going to make it to the journal submission process. And I guess, so you, you, you talked in your journey that you really liked writing and you realized when you reflected back in your PhD degree that there were you know different parts of it, but you liked that part the most. How did that turn into a, a, a business for you and where did you get started actually um, thinking that you wanted to create a business from this? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, um, <laughs> I didn't create the business straight um, after my PhD. It really took some time. Um, and it also took me a couple of months or so to sort of reflect and be able to know that I really wanted to sort of continue a career that had to do with writing. Um, that really took some time and some sort of exploration. So I then started to I did some like career coaching and things like that, which helped a little bit. What helped also was just to like sort of look around on like job portals and see what kind of jobs there are that had to do with writing and science. And then I thought, um, and you mentioned that you interviewed someone who was doing science writing. So that was actually also my first thought. I thought, oh, I want to become a science writer, a science journalist. And actually I do still do to this day some science writing. So I did some sort of freelance writing, um, some more like commercial things, but then I also did um, an internship with a 
big, I think it's the biggest one in Germany, a big popular science magazine. It's the daughter of Scientific American. So they have a German edition. I think they have a couple of editions in other countries as well, which are independent editions. So they do translate some of the things in Scientific American, but then they also commission their own pieces. And I did an internship with them for six months. And that really, and I got really into it and I really loved it. And I learned so much and I was, and it was quite successful. And I got a few good articles out and I continue to work for, to to this day, I continue to sometimes write for them. And, um, but then I also dabbled sort of in other areas, which had more to do with editing. And then I did more freelance editing. And for a while I worked for a small science communication company, did some editing for them and did also do some work for larger ones. And yeah, and the business then really developed from there. I kind of understood. So that was sort of two years of sort of looking around, <laughs> testing out things, uh, doing freelance work. I also think did ghostwriting. I really did just try out stuff. And then I came across like business podcasts. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know where it started, but I suddenly started to listen. And then of course now online entrepreneurship and online businesses, that's really big. And I listened to loads of different podcasts. And then I was like, okay, maybe it's a business I want to build. Maybe I don't want to be a freelancer. Maybe I want to have a like, quote unquote, business, like a company that I'm building. And that I started two years ago when I came back from Prague, back to Prague after my internship in Germany. And um, yeah, then I started editing. So in that business, then I started editing um, and now, yeah, since then it evolved as well. <laughs> so then it, the business sort of is still ev always evolving. Um, but that's, I think, like two years ago, the sort of business was born. Yeah. And uh, what kind of podcasts were you listening to just for the audience that maybe is thinking that they want to learn a bit about this space as well? Um, I was listening to The Biz Chicks. Um, which is a business podcast for women entrepreneurs, but it's not only, I mean, <laughs> the advice is the same. <laughs> um, so I think he, it's even useful to listen to that if you're a man. Yes, I agree. Or, or not a woman. <laughs> um, and what else did I listen to? What's this podcast called? This really big one with Pat Flynn, I guess. Uh, Smart Passive Income. That's it. Yeah. Smart Passive Income. Listen, I don't listen to that anymore, but I did listen to that back in the day. And I can't remember... Well, there was the Academics Main Business podcast, which I also listened to a little bit, but that was probably not so much business advice. Yeah, I guess the biggest influence on me really was the podcast that had the biggest influence on me was the Best Chicks. And to this day, I listen to most of the episodes um, and I find them incredibly valuable. Perfect. No, that's a good um, good reference for anyone that's looking in this space. And they'll know that I also was listening quite heavily to to uh Smart Passive Income. Mm -hmm. I went down to Pat's event um, in San Diego. Oh, nice. Uh, last year. And that was really great. Got to meet up with Lindsay from Academics Mean Business and her husband. And yeah, we, oh, had, a, cool. we had a pretty good, uh, good showing there. We actually recorded a podcast episode live from that with Dave Eng. Oh, nice. It would be episode 24 of the podcast live interview and lessons learned from FlinkCon 1 with Dr. Dave Eng. So that was kind of a fun one. And here all the the plates rustling in the background because we're doing it during the, the lunch hour from the event. So 
okay, we have an idea around how you got started. You did some science journaling. Journalism. <laughs> as a science journalist <laughs> and journalism. You did some freelance writing, some editing as a freelancer, but you sort of came to this realization that you wanted to, to build a business in addition to these sort of uh, services that you were doing. As you as you did that, like if I go to your website today, I see, first off, great, you know, great site. I, I like, uh, I help you write high impact papers, um, better papers in less time. I think that's what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. but you sort of this breakdown between three things. You have workshops, you have developmental editing and individual coaching. Mm-hmm. How do you sort of land on those as the three offers that you're you're doing today with your business? So as I said, I started with the editing. And I think that's probably most people that work in this kind of area start with. And what I noticed was that when you help someone with editing, and my editing has always been very, very thorough. So I'm not an editor who who just sort of puts the comma in the right place or changes the font size or something like that. So I'm really, I've always been more interested and this has always been the focus of my work was to go really deep and go to sort of the bones of the work to sort of see, okay, what's the underlying structure? What's the story you want to tell? And how can we build up that story? So now when you work with someone, when you, when someone asks you to edit their paper, <laughs> then um, my edits would be really, really thorough and, and they still are. <laughs> um, and But what I noticed was that it really is almost a little bit too late for the scientist or for the for the client that I work with because they've already spent so much time <laughs> writing this paper. And now I come when they have a complete draft, right? And then I come and say, like, okay, so actually I think <laughs> you should change it all. Um, or I have like so many comments, which again takes them a lot of time to develop, sort of a lot of communication with the co-authors to then, based on my feedback, get it in a good shape. So that's when I was thinking, okay, actually, it would be good if I came in earlier in the process, not only when they have a complete draft, but when they are maybe before they're writing or if I can help people while they're writing. So from that, it sort of evolved that I started to do workshops where I'm sort of in the stage before people are writing. They have probably written a few things, but yeah, we talk about how can you write a good paper in little time. And then while people are writing, this would be the coaching when I'm sort of accompanying the people, sort of taking the hand, guiding them through the process while they're writing a paper. And yeah, it's still, so these three sort of areas that I work in, the three services that I offer, they're still evolving and I'm still sort of thinking, okay, how can we, if, the, if there would be some to focus on, like now I have to say, and maybe it already sort of showed by the way I was talking about it, but I've moved away from the editing quite a bit. So I don't do much editing anymore. It is a lot more workshops and a lot more individual coaching. And I have a feeling that maybe I'm going to move even more to workshops. (laughs) So there seems to be a really, really big interest right now in these um, online workshops. And I may sort of double down on those or I'm, I'm open to sort of constantly adapting and changing my business. And I think that's probably also an advice I would give people who would be interested to start a business as an academic, um, whatever market you're serving, I think it's always good to sort of think about, okay, what's working and sort of develop it from there. And I don't know your, th- your thought on this, but I kind of linked two things together that you said, because you said that you're always open to adapting and, and sort of innovating in your business. 
I find that if you have a mindset that you're running a service, um, it's harder to have that mindset of being, okay, let's, you know, of almost continuous improvement or uh, adapting and innovating a service. But as soon as you kind of flip the switch to, okay, I'm owning a business now, um, it's almost easier to get in that mindset. Okay, well, how do we, how do we optimize this thing? How do we serve our customers better? How do we get uh, more value for them? And in your case, that's moving, you know, farther up the timeline chain. So they're, you're not just editing and fixing their, you know, mistakes after they've done all the work, but maybe you're helping them plan out so they don't make the mistakes in the first place. But do, do have you seen a mind shift in your work since you've moved from thinking of yourself as a service provider to trying to build out a, a business and your different elements there? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I learned so much because I think when you are a freelancer or a service provider, if you just, um, yeah, you, you have a skill and you apply that and you, you sell that, but you don't, often I think you don't even think in these terms of that you're selling something. And I think just learning about what a business is and how selling works and what, in what terms you need to think in order to sell something that, for example, you should think about your customer <laughs> and um, what their needs are. Things like that had never really occurred to me very much, I think, before I really was like, okay, this is a business. And then I did all the work. And I mean, all the information is out there and business owners know how to do these things and how to, yeah, I think, yeah, totally the mind shift, the mindset totally shifts when you think, okay, now I have a business. So how am I making this business work? Yeah, I just want to kind of put an asterisk on that because I, I, I don't know if I've ever thought of it or at least verbalized it that way, but I, I have the same thing. Like people ask me why I have a team in Dust Safety Science and Grab Blogger and why we went down the route of scaling like we have. And it from very early days for me, it was about, okay, let's build a business that can change the world. And and I almost had to shift from that mindset of of thinking differently. I, I almost said thinking small, but I don't think you can run a service that service based business that changes your life and you know changes your family and and impacts the world very strongly as well. It's just a bit of a different mindset when you start seeing yourself as the CEO, if you will, or you know the the director running this sort of um, business. So I kind of want to put an asterisk there because uh, I I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, but totally agree. It has done, yeah, the, the shift, yeah, it has done a lot to me sort of uh, in my mindset. And as you say, it's sometimes a little hard to communicate to people probably who aren't owning a business or who aren't running a business. Um, they often don't really understand <laughs> why I'm calling something a business that is basically a one-woman show. <laughs> but you you totally, as you say, your vision, you get a vision, right? You sort of start, okay, where, what do I want to do with this? Like, what do I want to, um, what positive change do I want to make in the world with this? How do I want to help people with this? And I think this can get so much bigger when you see it in terms of that you have a business and not only provide one and the same service over and over again without changing anything. Yeah, I put a Two asterisks, ast um, whatever the plural is for asterisks. Now that I'm not going to remember on the podcast, but uh, I put two beside, you know, your vision can be bigger than just you if your vision is for the business and not just for your own personal services. Yeah, uh, so true. Really cool. Okay, so that that's, uh, we didn't prep for that, that discussion, but I think it's kind of an interesting one for the audience that's listening in. So we had around your office today, we had the workshop, developmental editing, and the visual coaching. 
really started with the editing and, and I I've used academic editors. I use an editor for my PhD thesis. Um, I know, you know, many that come through grad blogger and the self tenure community that have started in that area, but you realize that you're at that point, like you said, it's almost too late for that client or that customer. Um, and it'd be more valuable for you to help them earlier on. So that's sort of how you went into the coaching and the workshops. Um, and you, you mentioned that the business is transitioning into that more. One thing that I, I liked when I was going through your work is that you you create frameworks for things. I don't know. That's probably another business thing. But I have your storytelling framework here, and you know I think that's an important thing to do because then when I'm looking at your 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 offer for the workshop, it's compelling because you basically say here's here's what the workshop's about. I'm going to run you through my storytelling framework. Somebody's like, oh, what's a you know what's the storytelling framework? And they go and look. Okay, Anna has a framework. She knows the. I can't remember how many steps there are, probably five-step process. Oh, I see all kinds of, I see plot spirals. Okay, yeah, you're, you're more advanced than my, uh, than my, uh, <laughs> my writing. But, uh, you know, if you have that framework, then you can kind of sell those workshops as a package easier. I know a lot of the listeners that are tuning in from the self-tenure community are in the spot now where they're looking at maybe moving to workshops in person and certainly moving into online workshops what have you learned in that transition that that might be useful for them today? I think something that's always important is to sort of try to understand what people want. <laughs> and that's not easy. So you kind of have to try and put stuff out there and see if people buy it. And I would just encourage people to just... I mean, it's it's scary to put something out there, to just write a sales page for something, put it out there and see if anyone clicks (laughs) buy now or whatever your button says. But it's really the only way. And I would say, yeah, you mentioned processes and frameworks and that, that really developing a good process, developing sort of a process so you can show people, okay, there's actually... There's actually something behind here. So we're actually going through a process. We actually, you actually learn a framework, a system to do this repeatedly. And that is incredibly important. And I think that conveys also uh, a trustworthiness. And yeah, so I think, okay, so I said (laughs) putting stuff out there, like don't be afraid to put stuff out there. Then develop a framework that you can put people through the third thing would be you have to be very clear on your packaging. So to have a very clear package, I started out having sort of selling just one-off coaching sessions that sort of could have any content. So we could speak about anything that had to do with scientific writing. And that's incredibly open-ended. I guess I needed to start with that because I needed to see what question people had and where I could help them and where actually my expertise sort of to what problems I could where I could help people the most. So that was a necessary step for me. But in the end, it is a lot easier to sell things when you have a package. And now in the coaching, I have a five-session package where we go through the process. It's very clear. The expectations are clear. And it's easier than also sort of behind the scenes to sell that because you're not emailing constantly, trying to adapt and customize something for each and every customer, but rather you have almost a product, right? It's almost like this idea of like a, I guess, productized service. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Productized service. That's where the you online try- marketing lingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you try to sell product. Um, I find that incredibly helpful. And 
actually a book. I have a book recommendation for you guys as well, which is Built to Sell. And it's a little story about a guy. I don't know if you know that book, Chris. But I just recommended it about an hour ago when I was doing the interview with Courtney. <laughs> really? <laughs> So, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, very, yeah. I'm very familiar. But uh, you can explain it for the audience, though, because some people will be tuning in their first podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I knew about this book for like two years. I never read it. Um, and then I read it like maybe half a year ago. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I should have read this before. Because it's a story of, um, of a business owner of a marketing agency. And he basically, his story is, oh, I want to sell my market a- marketing agency. And he goes to a friend and he coaches him through how he, he can build a business to sell. And even if you're not thinking about selling your business, and I'm not thinking about that, but it really helped me to get into this mindset of, okay, so what is a business that one could sell? And what is a business? And that also means that's a business that could run without you and where you can... And that runs more smoothly and that runs more efficiently for you that you get better return of investment for. Yeah, so that book's really great. And that really helped me to sort of also think in this time, okay, I want to get a product out, something more of a product rather than a service, something that is easier to sell. And then, okay, now going back to the things I was um, I was recommending people to do in the process. So I think I said... Yeah, we have put it up. So you're you're very good at creating frameworks. So we have one here. We put something <laughs> up. Um, step A, step B is to start creating your framework. So whatever you're doing, create your five step or your three step or your seven step process. Number f- three or C. I'm not sure why I'm switching between alphabetical and numerical, but was clear <laughs> packages. And I will before you dive into the next step, maybe give you a second to think about it. When I was looking at your your individual coaching, just so the audience can get an idea of how this can be done. You have individual coaching, but you have um, on that page, we can work together in the following ways from data to draft. And then you have whole page explaining that from draft to submission. You have whole page explaining that. You have scientific writing workshops. It's like really like you go to the supermarket and you go to the aisle for writing high impact papers. And you're like, okay, I, I'm this is me. I want this thing or I want this thing or this thing. It's really a great way to productize. And I, that's what I see is this kind of clear packaging um, and, and bundling of services. So, I've chatted enough. Those are three steps. What's the next step in, in our in our framework we're creating today? <laughs> <laughs> we're so productive. Um, yeah, so the fourth step would be to um, to make it easy and sort of streamlined to get leads in, I guess. So to get people interest, people who are interested to work with you, how can I connect with you and how can you quickly transform them from someone who's interested in someone who is buying what you're selling. And there, so I'm using, and you may see this on my website right now. So I let people book a call with me. And I don't think many people do that, I think. But for me, it's going amazingly well. It's so efficient for me. So people can book a call with me and then they have to fill in a questionnaire where I'm asking sort of, okay, what level, what, what what's your academic position? What exactly do you need help with? Like they're customized for each of the three offerings. And then I get this sort of booking for the call and then I'm reviewing those. And I'm, I'm sometimes I see, okay, actually, so for example, someone is booking coaching and they're in mathematics and I'm like, mm, or they're in computer science and they write very different papers in those fields. So I'm like, actually, 
I don't think that would be a good fit. I don't think I'm the right person to help them. And then I write them an email. I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't want to waste your time, but I really don't think I'm, we will be a good fit to work together. And then that call is canceled and I'll cancel the call. And otherwise I'll just jump on the call with that person who's interested to work with me. And we have a chat and I find this so much easier and more time efficient than emailing or yeah, having some other form of sort of getting people signed up. So good. I reduce that step to pick one sales sequence and and learn it. <laughs> so yours is the sales calls um, and you pick that and then you sort of added some stuff in. So you have filtering at the front. So, you know, are they the right, are you the right person to help them? And if not, then, you know, let them know and maybe you point them in the direction they need to go. I actually forget what the original question was for, for this framework that we're creating, but uh, we have the four steps. You asked me what people <laughs> want to, <laughs> if I have tips for people who want to sort of develop workshops or packages yes, workshop. to sell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have the four, we have four steps. What comes next? I think that's it. That will be all my tips, I guess. And then sell, sell and, and grow. grow. Do good work. <laughs> help we'll put, people. Uh, <laughs> well, deliver, I guess. That's the end of the yeah. day. So you've done all this work. Now it's about doubling down and and delivering. Um, delivering something great. And yeah, I mean, that's really the most important thing, I guess, is you have to do a good job because otherwise this isn't going to work like the best sales page and the best sales sequence your business is not going to be successful if you're not doing good work because, I mean, the most efficient thing actually is if people recommend your business, right? If you get a referral, <laughs> because then you don't have to spend much in marketing, things like that. So I think if you're doing good work and you then get referrals, then it's really, then you're having probably a very, very efficient business. Well, we just add our, our final step. So deliver and then um, ask for a referral and it's in a circle mm -hmm. and there's an arrow that, arrow that draws back to the start. Yeah, we, we should sell that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to cancel the recording. We're going to go put up a sales page. Um, no, no, this, has been, this has been really cool. Um, yeah, though, this has been awesome. So I really appreciate going through that. I was, I hope the, the audience is tuning in and finding this as fun as we are. <laughs> Time will tell. If you are, tag uh, myself or Anna. Anna's at Scientist Right on Twitter, and I'm at Grab Blogger on Twitter. And give us a shout out if you're, you're listening to this. Yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah, we really covered the gamut of getting started in this world of helping, helping academics with their paper writing with communicating their science, um, how your business has evolved and changed from the early days to moving into editing, to moving to coaching, to moving into these workshops. We presented this framework for the workshop. I will, um, I'll, I'll bundle the framework up and we'll put it as a, as a cheat sheet that you can download at grablar.com slash 78. Cause well, why not? We spent the time writing the thing out. Um, <laughs> so do you have any kind of closing words of wisdom for somebody as an academic, um, that is looking to start their own business and just you know is interested in getting in the space and following kind of your footsteps where do you have any words of wisdom for them for for that kind of phase of their journey the most important thing for me always to remember is to trust myself really um so i think a lot is about like we have a lot of things in us and i think especially for women um and i definitely suffer from like imposter syndrome and all of these things where we don't sometimes lack the confidence to actually do what 
somewhere deep down <laughs> we have and we sort of doubt that ability and I think there's so much information nowadays on how to build a business it's all rather easy to find and it's all not as mysterious and difficult I think as you may think so I think trust yourself use the use the resources that are there find a nice community and yeah you can do it <laughs> I agree. And I think that's the, the, the proper place to end off this interview is just that uh, other academics can do this as well. They can follow in, in the footsteps of the road that you, you've led and also myself with Dust Safety Science and Grab Blogger. If somebody is interested in learning more about your work, you know the, the work that you do online, where's the best spot for them to go to, to connect with you? Well, so anaclemens.com is my website. So A-N-N-A-C-L-E-M-E-N-S.com. And there you find where how you can work with me you find some information about me and i also have a blog so if you're interested to learn more about scientific writing just want to sort of see maybe learn more about the process and the framework that i'm teaching and maybe sort of my whole philosophy of how i think papers should be written then that's a good place to look at um you find that easily on the website it's just a tab on the top there and I'm also on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, I'm quite active there. Or well, I haven't been in a few weeks, but I will, I will ramp it up again. And as Chris mentioned, I'm at Scientists Right. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect on LinkedIn, then please do so. I'm not there very much. So my main space really is Twitter, but um, I'm happy to get in touch there. And I guess if you just search for my name, Anna Clemens, PhD, maybe scientific writing or something like this, I think I'll come up. Perfect. No, we appreciate you taking the time today. Um, it's been great to have you on the podcast. I look forward to the chance to, to get you back on. Maybe we'll create some, we'll pick another topic and create some new frameworks again <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah, right. No, thank you so much, Chris. It's been fun. All right. Thanks, Anna. We'll talk soon. Thanks. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Dr. Anna Clemens from Anna Clemens, that's C-L-E-M-E-N-S.com. We're talking about helping academics get published in high-impact journals. Specifically, we've been talking about her online business, how it got started, um, her academic background in research. She has a, a PhD in chemistry, covering sort of a broad scope. So uh, everything from organic chemistry to physical chemistry to other areas related. And that diverse set kind of exposed her to a couple of different fields in her work. But more than that, through her PhD, when she really looked back on it, she realized that her favorite time was the the writing portion of that, which... I hope we don't hold against her, but that's that's okay. It turns out that that's actually good for her because she went down the path of creating a service and a business from that um, after finishing her PhD. So in the early days of her business, she was doing things like science journalism, um, freelance writing. She was doing editing and helping academics with their their papers and journals and and you know their writing online. As she she grew her business and developed, and we we had sort of a whole aside on this uh, the mindset shift of running and performing a service as an individual to thinking about what you do as a business and how that can impact things like how you see yourself show up, the vision that you have can be bigger and just some of the ways you think about your business, then you might have the sort of different uh, mindset or impact that can, can kind of help you grow there. We fast forwarded sort of to where her business is at today and through her work at AnnaClemens.com, she has really three main areas. If you look at her services, she has uh, editing, she has workshops and she has one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, she started transitioning more into the the coaching and the the workshop business part of her business 
and we really talked around why she would consider that, how to do it. We came up with this six-step framework, which included just getting something out there to figure out what people are interested in, how your value they can deliver overlaps to what they need, starting to develop frameworks and you know productizing your system. We gave a reference here of Built to Sell John by John Rorillo. Developing clear packages and bundles, this is really critical. If you just have a sort of a la carte style, it can be quite difficult to then sell that to somebody. They get kind of confused when they come in there and end up buying nothing at the end of the day. So we really say these are the things that you can buy. It's like a supermarket. You go in, you choose the thing you want, you put in your basket and you're done. So that was step three. Step four was to build out your sales sequence. And here I really like focusing on one sales sequence, getting really good at it. Um, and these doing coffee chats or doing discovery calls or whatever you want to call them is a, is a really great way to do that. It um, can be low lead time for both sides. Plus, you can do some filtering things, have a survey, and really make sure that you're the right fit before you even get on the call. And by the time you're done the call, you know what the, the next steps are moving ahead. Then we had deliver. So I'd say you know deliver exceptionally. So that's sort of power of the course. You need that to to sustain your business over time. But it also can become a you know a background thought if you don't make sure you keep it in mind. So you want to deliver. And then at the end of the day, the last step is about referrals. Um, and I like for this getting everything you got, everything you can out of all you got by Jay Abraham. And he has a whole chapter in there on developing your I want to say automatic referral system or your systematized referral system, but always think about how do you on the back end or the front end actually do on both sides of your your service, your product, make sure you're continually getting more information. And um, Anna doesn't know this yet, but uh, well, she, she does when you're listening to this, but we have an automatic referral system for our podcast. So every guest we ask, do you have other guests to have on this, the, uh, the podcast? It's the exact same thing there because you're bringing new people into your world. You're bringing recommendations there. So I will package that up into a cheat sheet that you can download at grablar.com slash 78 about how to um, get started productizing your your business or building a workshop. And we'll have that on the website there. Also the transcripts for this episode at grablar.com slash 78. Um, we'll have ways you can connect and contact with Anna if you're interested in learning more about her business and her services there as well. Mm-hmm.